Hello again, everybody. Welcome to Good to Know Shreveport Bossier. This is a podcast that showcases all the good things happening in our community. My name is Jeff Beinfor. In the seat to my right today is Paul Reeser. He's moved his usual spot <laughs> from over on the left. Anyway, Paul is the president of the uh, Reeser Group, Sonic Management Company. He's a member of the Committee of 100, or he's a board member. Now, each week, we're going to be focusing on economic development, community growth, and uh, other topics about initiatives having positive impacts on our community. We'll have new episodes every other Wednesday, and you can find Good to Know wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, we have another special guest on this edition. So Paul, take the uh, take it away. Special as usual, Jeff. <laughs> we may be even bring it up a notch today. <laughs> well, that's good, because we <laughs> needed to do that. <laughs> so our guest today, Tim Magner. For the past six years, Tim has been president of the Greater Shreveport Chamber of Commerce. Awesome. Uh, before that, of course, not of course, but I found out, <laughs> he was uh, the Chief Information Officer for LSU Medical School in Shreveport. And prior to that, way prior to that, now this is uh, something you don't hear every day around here, got his master's degree from Harvard University and your doctorate wow. in leadership from Pepperdine University. Correct, yes. So <laughs> That's impressive stuff. He's been all over the place. And now the, probably something you really want to add to your resume, the pinnacle is uh, a guest on Good to Know, Shreveport Bossier. <laughs> I have with, a slot on my resume. Ready to go. <laughs> hey, before we go any further, i got to ask you about Pepperdine. That's like, I hear that's the, like the most gorgeous campus in America. It is. It, it's, it's very beautiful. Uh, the the uh, graduate school actually is in an office building near LAX, but I did get to go out to the to the, uh, to the Malibu campus a couple of times, and it's uh, yeah. it's fabulous. That's where they play their basketball, right? It is. Yeah, I actually got to see them play. Yeah. It, was, it was a great game. Come on, tell me. You, I know you played there. Your cousin no, played I'm, there. You, <laughs> no, not this time. <laughs> okay. Uh, but Usually, I'm sure we'll find a connection later on. Yeah, there's two degrees of to, from Jeff Bimefor, from everyone in the world from Jeff. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but I definitely want to talk about all the things, all things commerce going on in Shreveport. I know yep. you've got great news, and you guys are so uh, engaged in the business atmosphere there. But First, tell me how in the world did you get from East Coast, West Coast, and then settle, you know, right here in the middle? Well, I, uh, I married a lady who lives here. And, uh, <laughs> there you go. That's It is, and uh, it's, the re it's a good reason to stay. Absolutely. So, uh, a lot of folks like that. And uh, no, it's it's a great it's a great community. I think that's one of the things that um, you know I have been around uh, the world, uh, literally in a lot of different places, and you know the opportunities that you have here, the quality of life, the the um, you know the the um, the expenses, you know, the low traffic. Haven't had to yeah. shovel my driveway but once in ten years. So there's a there, there's a lot to recommend uh, the a lot community. Of benefits from down here. So how did you get? How did you become president of the Chamber of Commerce from the uh, Chief Information Officer of Medical School? So uh, my, my background is is in um, IT and education for the most part. But I also run a, a number of nonprofit organizations, both national and international nonprofit organizations. And so, you know, if you're if you're going to live in a community, you want to be able to contribute. And so when I was at the Health Science Center, uh, this position came open and given my background um, and my, frankly, my interest in, in helping the community grow, I applied and the board was, was good enough to give me the opportunity and I, I hope they've been uh, pleased with the results thus far. You know, we hear about the Chamber of Commerce everywhere you go, Chamber of Commerce, very influential organization. 
just to get started, tell us what the Chamber of Commerce actually does. Sure. We're, our focus is really on, as we like to say, uh, growing business and building community. It's really about what can we do to help attract businesses, help businesses grow here, but also what can we do for the community. A lot of the work we do is in education. A lot of the work that we do is in uh, not only educating businesses, but you know, supporting our school systems, supporting our higher ed institutions. And um, one of the things we're focused on right now is early childhood education, which is growing. So what are the quality of life things that we think uh, the business community can engage in that really helps improve the opportunity and the attractiveness uh, for the community? We're blessed in this community. We have a number of partners that we work with in economic development. We have folks at the Convention and Tourist Bureau and others. So we, we really try and be part of that constellation, both on this side of the river, across the river. Um, we go to D.C. We go to Baton Rouge with the folks um, in, in, in on the Bossier side uh, because we think that that it's really important for us to have a regional voice sure. uh, when we're when, in Washington or when we're in Baton Rouge. So it really is a, a combination of things. You know, I, I, it was interesting. I, we've been around for 112 years now. I tell yeah. people this is our second pandemic, and <laughs> and it was That's really. That's not the laugh. Well, no, I, I wasn't me. It was you. It's <laughs> pretty funny though. <laughs> but that's one of the things that we really found during the pandemic. Um, you know, we did 15 um, weeks of um, of uh, webinars trying to get people, what do they do about COVID? What do they do about um, where to get their PPP loans? All of those things. And so it was really an opportunity for us in some ways to go back to our roots for the kinds of things that we had done 112 years ago when people came together and said, hey, we need a consistent voice for business in this community. We need to be able to have somebody who wakes up every day thinking about what our community needs, both from a business standpoint as well as from a quality of life standpoint. And it's really that legacy that we carry forward in being able to continue that mission. So Chamber of Commerce, they're made up, most cities have them, uh, they're made up of members that are actual business owners in the community. Correct. So when people tell me they want to start a business or they're trying to figure out how to connect, and whenever I had opened a business in another town, <coughs> first thing I would do was go get involved in the Chamber of Commerce. So tell us, if a person is interested in helping their business or finding out maybe they want to get into business, what does the Chamber of Commerce do for those members? So it's a combination of things. Um, education, um, we do, we have groups uh, and we have uh, sessions that we do on a fairly regular basis about everything from how to do business with the government to, you know, uh, dealing with uh, taxes or dealing with, uh, uh, you know, the kinds of accounting that you might need. So we, we do that sort of mainline education stuff. We also run the Procurement Technical Assistance Center, which is uh, a mouthful, but that's actually helping uh, businesses who want to do business with any level of government, whether that's the local, state, federal, whether that's the school system or the um, surrounding municipalities, uh, we can get them if they need an 8A or they need to be a veteran-owned business or they need a hub zone or whatever, we can help them get certified for that. It's, just, it's a great resource. It's, it's networking with yep. other businesses. Yep. It's like, oh, I want to build in this area. You can go to the chamber and you can say what is available in this area, uh, resources from the government, from the city. It's just a great organization for me and the Shreveport uh, is, is an exceptional, I think, Chamber of Commerce. So what are some things that you're excited about right now 
that are developing in Shreveport that you're getting involved in? Well, I think what's been interesting to see is the um, the shift, the, the sort of the post-pandemic shift. There, there's been um, a lot of energy in the business community. You had a lot of entrepreneurs and people who started businesses during the pandemic who I think are, are, are making a go of it. But you also have businesses that are um, reassessing and, uh, what their business model is. Uh, particularly on the food service side, I think what's been interesting is to see the number of, of places that have, mm. um, you know, <laughs> done uh, done takeaway or done delivery. Uh, there's now the go kitchen that's going to be opening up down in, 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 in South Shreveport. So, the ghost kitchen. <laughs> I didn't know uh, that either. And so, so the, the, the ghost. The, yeah, but, but these. pretty scary, Jeff, but I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> so, but these are interesting ways uh, that businesses are, are adapting to, yes. um, to uh, deal with new opportunities and, right. and in some cases new challenges. But you can't just close shop. You have to adjust. You do have to adjust. And I think the, the, the variety of folks that have found online outlets or found opportunities to connect with folks. But on the flip side, you have new boutiques and stuff that are opening up because people want to come in and they want to right. touch and feel and, and, and see that unique uh, item. That's or me. Unique I, I don't. I like the going into the store <laughs> experience as opposed to ordering online. And I think for a community our size, we have a huge variety of those types of experiences in ways that mm -hmm. I don't think you do in, in a lot of other communities. So when you're looking to recruit new businesses to uh, the Shreveport area, what, what are your criteria? What are you looking for? Again, I think one of the things that we've done fairly well over the last decade or so is actually diversify the economy. Uh, we were heavily oil and gas, and I think folks who have been here um, for the bulk of their career will tell you that you know the dark days of the 80s or the 2000s when you know when, when gas either went up and then went and went way down. And so the lack of, uh, of uh, diversity in the economy was a challenge then. Mm -hmm. Today, I think when you look at the kinds of things that we have with, with GDIT and Prasis and organizations like that that are in the um, the uh, IT space, You've, we, we, the medical community that has really uh, exploded around the Health Science Center, the kinds of biotech and other technology rela you know, um, related activities that the BRF is doing. You've got really some interesting uh, em engagement there. What's happening out at uh, Barksdale with the increased focus with Global Strike and the, and the um, NC3, the National uh, Communication, the Nuclear Communication and Command and Control Center, mm -hmm. all of that um, upgrading of the nuclear arsenal, those are all areas of, of growth and opportunity for us in this community. You look at food and retail, we have really expanded the capacity of our economy to be able to deliver a lot of really interesting experiences to folks. And I think that is something that is, is serving us well uh, as we look at the, you know, sort of moving forward. I think the challenge for us, as as it is sort of nationally right now, is getting is getting the workforce into the into those roles, and I think that's where efforts um, on in K twelve and particularly in our higher ed with with our community colleges in particular, are really opening up opportunities for people to find career pathways into the trades and into other um, you know more technical fields in ways that are, are um, new and also very uh, very lucrative. How hard did it, things become to making those connections and getting people into those new pathways and making and, and allowing the businesses to survive and thrive during the pandemic up to now? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think when the when the history is written of the pandemic, one of the things that I think will be deemed a, an unqualified success actually was the the um, PPP loans, um, in part because the the bankers um, really rallied. When you look at the number, the variety, and the number of small and regional banks who stepped up to work directly with um, with people in some cases that they'd never talked to before, mm -hmm. and they were able to create banking relationships and be able to get them loans. A lot of folks survived because of that. And I think that did two things. One is it I think it gave a lot of confidence and a lot of um, clarity to our banking community and an insight into what was necessary uh, to be able to support them from a capital um, standpoint. But it also um, preserved in many respects the variety of businesses mm -hmm. uh, opportunities that we had. And so I think that um, the the um, flexibility or the longevity that that provided for many businesses gave them an opportunity to retool or to look at their business model or to expand into yeah. other markets and other opportunities. Mm -hmm. So I do think that um, there were you know a lot of businesses that didn't make it, yeah. um, but there were but those that did I think were were a in in many respects well run prior to that mm -hmm. to, to the to the pandemic, but they they used that opportunity to to pivot or they used that opportunity to uh, to really look at what their business model was and how they could offer new service delivery. Those were tough times. I mean, I would think that anybody that came through that, I guess still tough times, really, but anybody that came through that probably is going to be stronger on the other end. It, it was, and, and I also think, though, too, it, it's, it's different. You know, we, we always, you know, in the in the before times, we talk about going back to the new normal. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, three years ago. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a long time ago. It does seem like a long time ago, but I think it was fundamentally different when you look yeah. at the labor market, when you look at the at the consumer market. I don't, we, we're not back mm -hmm. where we were in 2019. We are in a different environment mm -hmm. right now. And I think it's a real credit to a lot of the entrepreneurs in our community um, mm -hmm. who have been able to, to, to really adapt to that new reality. It's interesting that you put a, a positive spin on the PPP loans because they got, a lot, in a lot of ways, a lot of bad raps. So they they, they, they reported the big companies that, that took advantage, but really, uh, the banks did move very quickly and it quickly got money into the hands of businesses and the requirement was 75% of this loan has to go to paying your employees. Yep. So a lot of businesses that literally could not get a customer were still able to pay their employees. So I liked that model. I thought it was I thought it was impressive and like you say local bankers were really quick on the initiative. I mean the, the, yeah. and again I, th I don't think many people realized how many all-nighters those folks pulled yeah. in order to make sure folks met deadlines and and and, and really um, you know really really um, doing it in, in, in a lot of ways as a public service. I mean, you know, they made a little money on it, but, but mm -hmm. certainly not, not what, you would, what you would ordinarily mm -hmm. see. And, and so I think it was just an impressive uh, opportunity. Well, you, did, you talked about, um, you know, locally how we're, we're starting, the new normal, businesses <laughs> are starting to revive, a lot, of, a lot of interesting things are happening in the city, but part of, I think, our city's uh, opportunity, and we hear it over and over from different guests, is location. Yes. And, and the uh, resources we have with, mm -hmm with rail lines and a river and an interstate. Yes. So, but there is a little bit of a, a, a misconnect right now on I-49. And sure. I'm, how, you're very well involved in that. So where are we at on the I-49 corridor and, and how is that progressing right now? So we've got a three and a half mile in section that- And uh, why is that important? Well, that's important because it, it is the section that allows us to move, um, in many cases, um, uh, trucking and, and, and freight through our city without having to, to go an extra 10 to 12 miles around and without having to cross our 
um, our water supply, which is uh, the, the, the 220 bridge. And so being able to move that truck traffic from the port that you mentioned, um, from New Orleans all the way up through up to Texarkana and beyond um, is really an, an important uh, engine of commerce in our area. And right now, uh, in fact, I was, I was uh, just uh, the other day, I took a picture because there was this huge truck sitting on um, Spring Street going into going into downtown mm -hmm. because that is the most direct way and if you're paying for gas and we know you know gas is, is volatile especially um, mm -hmm. diesel fuel and if you're a trucker or you're a trucking company or you have to move you want to do the most efficient most direct route and if you have to go an extra 14 or yeah. 15 miles around the city in order to do that many people won't do that they'll go directly through so you have these large 18 wheelers sitting on Spring Street going you know with you know with your your car or whatever mm -hmm. and that can be overwhelming but it's also not great for the streets if you look at what's happening with right. 3132 you're wearing that out and so that three and a half miles allows us to move goods and services um, through the city it also allows people in North Caddo access to the level one trauma center without, you know, a friend of mine lives up in, in Dixie and it, he says there's, there's 17 lights between where he lives hmm. and the, the health yeah. science center. So God mm. forbid something happens up there, right. you know, the ability to get somebody to level one trauma center. But there's several like thousand miles of I-49 that are finished, right? Correct. Yes. <laughs> Except for these last three. So, they, so how, oh, I've been hearing about this for the almost eight years I've been here. Yeah. So yeah. it's, you know, we haven't moved anywhere, mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. I mean, so what's your prognostication, I guess, for how this oh, thing is going to end word. up? Yeah. You're well, from Pepperdine, too. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, the connection. I, I played, uh, I jumped in the ocean there. That's yeah. <laughs> um, but there, so... Um, there's a process, as, as with any, any sure. uh, highway construction process. Sure. Um, something called the EIS, an environmental mm -hmm. impact statement. And one of the components of that is mm -hmm. a cultural study, and so that what they what, and I think rightly they want to make sure that you're not sort of willy-nilly running over things that are or, or eliminating things that mm -hmm. have cultural significance. Yep. And so part of the process we're in right now is that cultural study, and once that that is completed, that will be the last component for the mm -hmm. environmental impact study. So so we are we are nearing the nearing the the, the decision point. Mm -hmm. um, my understanding is that. That you know we have um, a, an understanding with the the state and the federal government that once that process is completed we'll move forward with that it's just a question of getting there and that's something that I, I think um, you know unfortunately it, 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 it takes time you want to do it right um, because it because you're talking about people's lives and, and people's right. property well, and, and that's 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 the big holdup I'm thinking right now you don't want to be Say, oh well, we need progress, and we don't want uh, trucks on our highway. And I want to be able to get to Texarkana like that, which I can't. <laughs> Seventy-five miles an hour. Yeah. But seriously, uh, people are concerned about being displaced, about homes having to be taken down, and and so what is the answer to that? The well, people who are saying, well, what about the neighborhood, and how much of that will be displaced? Well, when you look at it in the in that three and a half miles, you have about fifty-four buildings total, and many of those, if you drive up Allen Avenue, which is which is the area where it's likely to be, mm -hmm. many of those are um, are abandoned or, or in disrepair today. Mm -hmm. So the number of families that will be ultimately displaced is a for the amount of of um, 
uh, for the distance we're covering is actually a very small number. In fact, mm -hmm. if you look at the the proposed route from 220 to Hearn Street, there's no there's nothing there. There that's just a, an, an open field area. Mm -hmm. So you really have about a mile or so, um, and it it is on the the edge of of Allendale, so it doesn't bisect mm -hmm. the the neighborhood, and it also is m much of the land is actually already owned by the city. So there is some um, some displacement that will that mm -hmm. will occur or or could occur, um, but I think when you look at the overall benefit to the community, that's that's the the, the dynamic that we're weighing and the ability to get about a, almost a, a billion dollars in in annual economic impact from something like that. And um, what what happens to those homes, the people that, you know, maybe it's only a dozen families displaced, what, sure. what, where do they get displaced to? Well, so, uh, so um, what happens in those situations is that you have a, uh, they're, they're paid a market rate for their, um, their home, and I know the Committee 100 and the Chamber and others are dedicated to ensuring that those folks have a displacement um, or a place to go to um, mm -hmm. that, that is reflective of, of their needs and desires. And I think that that's an important component. Um, in this process is mm. that this is really a community effort and we recognize that that comes with uh, both positives and some and some some downside and we want to mm -hmm. mitigate the downside to the extent that we can well let's see let's pivot a little well, thank, bit thanks for going there because we definitely and this is not the i-49 uh, uh, podcast today it's not but it's certainly I, a serious thing and yeah. and i know that there's a lot of people working on that so Indeed. i just was interested to know where it stood right now sure so here's that's why i want to pivot right. uh let's pretend that i'm a business i'm sure. jeff i i'm a business i'm thinking about relocating somewhere from from i'm in illinois and mm -hmm. i want to get out of illinois because it's oppressive Mm -hmm. which it is, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, wasn't I actually either. lived in Illinois, so I know what I'm talking about, but uh, I want to move. I want to mm -hmm. move my business, mm -hmm. and I want to be in warm weather. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to recruit me to bring my business to Shreveport, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about the selling points. So uh, some of that will depend on what your business is. Are you looking for land? Are you looking for a location? Are you looking for quality of life? One of the things that I, th and I think we have opportunities in all of those areas. Um, we have uh, ample um, open, Fields right now. Uh, the chamber has some some land. We could we could certainly sell you. Or, uh, <laughs> but there's also there there are there's a, there's several industrial parks in the area. We also have things like the GM plant and others that we have physical plant that already exists. So if you wanted to relocate it and do that, but one of the most important selling points I think when you look at it is the quality of life components for mm -hmm. your employees. Um, you know we have. Um, you know, I've lived again. I've lived in a lot of different places, and the, the transportation infrastructure that we have here. We have 55 festivals a year. We have great schools and great school systems. We have really, op really um, tremendous food culture. We have, you know, it, you can get anywhere in 20 minutes. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I live the same distance from my house here in D.C. I live the same distance from my office as I did in D.C. I can be at work in 20 minutes. It would take me an hour and 20 minutes or an yeah. hour and 40 minutes. And so, yeah. you're a to live in a hundred-year-old house or a golf course or a lake or a um, downtown loft or a, a golf course community 
all of those within 20 minutes, that becomes a real selling point when you're looking right. at uh, trying to create and craft that uh, work-life balance for your employees. So I think um, you know we also have manufacturing here. We have access to, to um, inexpensive, uh, relatively inexpensive power. Um, we do have all of those transportation amenities. So to me, when you look at the package, this is a, a tremendous community to be able to engage right. in. You have access to high-quality health care that's available locally here. You have, there are nine universities within an hour of here, so you've got 60,000 or so um, university students just in northwest Louisiana along the I-49 and I-20 corridors that can be your workforce in addition to your community colleges that are producing kids at a, at a, at a good clip who, who have you know, real marketable skills. So again, I think this is a, this is a tremendous location. The, our challenge is, in many respects, that there are places like us in, uh, around the community, and I think, or excuse me, around the country, and I think part of um, what we're doing, and I, I know you have um, Stacy Brown coming in from the Convention Tourist Bureau later, yeah. you know, we're working collectively to create the kind of brand and the kind of brand story that can help us tell those messages and, and communicate those messages more effectively and more compellingly to places around the country, both for people to come visit, but ideally for people to come stay. Yeah, how hard, how hard is it when you're going up against, like say, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, or someplace in Florida. I, I don't know. Is, is, is it a tough sell? Yeah. Again, I mean, the the, the folks to, to really who really uh, live that every day are the folks at NLEP, the North Louisiana Economic Partnership, Justin yeah. Dixon, and those yeah. folks. But what I can tell you is that you know we 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 are challenged by some of the structural um, differences in terms of how taxing and things like that are done in Texas and, and, and other states. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think it's um, it, it's a question of, of how we put that package together and I think um, recently I think increasingly the cities the parishes have begun to work more closely together I think the the mm -hmm. kind of effort and activity that we're involved with now that, that sort of regional brand activity is an important indicator of the kind of collaboration that that is both possible and necessary for us to be able to create the kind of attractive dynamic yeah. that we ultimately want it, to see it's interesting you mentioned the name you mentioned branding in the last couple sentences you said branding branding of the area to try to bring people in. Mm -hmm. So what are we doing? What is what is the chamber doing uh, to improve that branding? So again, we're working with uh, with uh, all of the, the local entities uh, mm -hmm. on this uh, destination master plan that I'm sure uh, uh, Stacy will go into great detail. So I won't okay. I won't steal her thunder. <laughs> but, but, destination uh, master plan. That's yeah. a, that's a teaser. It is. Well, there you go. The next episode. Uh, Teeing up for you. See, uh, partnerships work. Um, <laughs> but but uh, and so what we're doing too is um, one of the things that we do currently is we produce a um, an annual magazine that is um, really our new guide and that's an opportunity for folks to learn about the community we're in the process of building that into a um uh, a website so that folks will be able to, if they want to um, move here or they want to learn about schools or neighborhoods or the festivals and things like that, that are not from a tourism standpoint, but from a destination standpoint, from, hey, I want to relocate, I want to live here. So mm -hmm. we're really trying to yeah. turn that choose Shreveport or true Shreveport Bossier into something that is um, a a platform so that people can understand and really see under the covers all the great things that we have to offer. 
You mentioned a lot of festivals. I forget how many festivals there are, but there 55. is a lot of things to do. Fifty-five. See, I listen. No, I mean, so I, remember, I remember. I remember. That's right. I'm a retired hamburger flipper and lucky to be here. Thankful. But uh, so, how do people, if they're if they want to get involved with the chamber, if they want to, maybe it's there's their chance to come check it out, or maybe they want to become a member. Sure. How, how do people get in touch with you and the Shreveport Chamber? Uh, Shreveportchamber.org, or they can call us at 318-677-2500, and we'll be happy to connect them up, uh, and uh, love to have them as members, and just excited to have them contribute to our community. Well, look, we, we joked about those festivals. Yeah. That's probably important stuff. Yeah, it's like, hugely well, important you know, stuff. Guys say, well, I'm going to have my business here, but my kids need to be engaged, yep. and uh, I need them to ha have a tilt-a-whirl, yeah. right? a couple times yeah. a year. What, I mean, we have, still have, those, we have really world-class opportunities. Everything yeah. from the Rebel, we've got the the Film Prize and Starter Prize and Music Prize coming up this weekend. Yeah. We've got State Fair. Jeez. We've the got State Mardi Gras. Fair of the entire state right here, Jeff. That's right. We've <laughs> the got, whole state? We've got sure. Mardi Gras. We've got, I mean, we have all of these yep. things that happen. The Symphony, the Opera. You know, the we, strand. The strand. We have. Don't leave anything out. We get too many. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and 50, that's. Give me the list of fifty. That's dollars. right. But that's the thing is we we have so many of those amenities. Yes. Um, and our ability to be able to take advantage of them, you can drive downtown, park right in front. I mean, yeah. you know, when you when you look at the at the the competition that you have to go through to access a lot of those things in larger cities, the ability mm -hmm. that you can you know you can probably still get tickets for the for the symphony concert this weekend mm -hmm. yeah. you know that's wonderful um, because it gives you a, a chance to experience um, uh, the, the the arts and culture here in ways that you you honestly can't in a lot of other communities we got a couple minutes left can you can you uh, pull back the curtain on a couple big projects you might be working on right now or is that got to remain top secret no actually the, the the biggest project we're working on right now honestly is is our building um, the chamber building was built a, a hundred years ago mm -hmm. this year in 1922 and it was open to the public on December 6, 1923 as the public library and we took it over mm -hmm. um, as tenants in 1982 and this year um, we're actually taking it over um, over ownership um, from the city so that we can renovate it and revitalize it and uh, nice. we, we really want it, it's such a gem it's such an important yeah. part of downtown and a hundred years ago our community came together to build it and we think that it's our responsibility now to come together as a community and yeah. renovate mm -hmm. and restore it so that it can it was built as they said in the a newspaper at the time as a monument to the future and we're that future and <laughs> yeah, so for us yeah. to be able to take on that mantle and yeah. and so 100 years from now when they're doing good to know 100 years from now again um, I will be here he'll, he'll still be here but that folks can um, folks can, can, can really have something that they're proud of yeah. in downtown that they contributed it I mean the the grounds are the um, World War One Memorial there's some just really important um, sort of it's a really important cultural icon and so for us that you know we talked about building community earlier that really is something that we think is important for us to to spur that investment that reinvestment in downtown but also that reinvestment in in our community as a, as an expression of who we are so what, what phase of Reconstruction? Are you at right now? Well, we're, we actually we just got the deed this week, so okay. uh, so we are um, we are very excited to be able to kick it off. We're going to be kicking it off later this month, and so if folks are interested in in contributing and interested in being a part of that process, um, please let us know. It sounds neat. Is that something you have to work with Liz Swain on? Or no? It is. Yes, yeah. we, uh, Liz is great. She's um, she's going to help us uh, figure out our historic tax credits, and you know, it, because it is such a, an important historic building, we really want to make sure we do it right. 
call back to another great podcast episode with Liz Swain. Yeah. You can check that podcast out where she's talking about developing downtown. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it, it, you don't see it all happening because there's there's so much in development right now. Yeah. But there's people buying buildings, getting building permits, working with the state, but, but you're going to be one of those great buildings that begins that kind of cornerstone of rebuilding downtown. So exactly. Thank you very much. See how that all ties together? I'm telling you. It's, a, it's amazing stuff. Yeah. All right, Tim, thanks for being here. Thank you. Appreciate it. Tim Magner from the Chamber of Commerce, and thank you for joining us for this podcast of Good to Know Shreveport Bossier, brought to you by the Committee of 100 and KTBS Television. Remember to tell all your friends and colleagues about this podcast. We'll have new content every other Wednesday. And for more information, you can check us out at goodtoknowsb.com. So as always, have a great day. Continue to make Shreveport Bossier the best it can be. And as we always say, this is all good to know. Have a good one. Good to know.